Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. And welcome to Beyond the Math, the weekly episodic podcast for bringing the latest in news, reviews, rumors, and all the buzzes going on in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host, as always, DM. I was supposed to be hooking up with Alex later on today, but he got a new headset, and I don't think it worked. He had to get a new one, and then he fell asleep, so I'm going it alone again, but that's quite alright, because we still have a lot of news to cover. I watched Raw. I watched SmackDown, I watched Battleground, we got news, there's so many things going on, all these buzzings going on, and, well, you're going to notice my opinion is really going to seep out. Uh, A thousand apologies to those of you that caught the early cast of the early recording of Beyond the Mat. There was a glitch where it actually extended the show an extra 40-something minutes, and it was nothing but dead air. We fixed that, took care of it, and you should have the full HD version without problem already uploaded. It took me a little while to figure that out because I knew how long I recorded and the recording said it was going longer than it was supposed to and that didn't make any sense. So again, it was fixed. As far as what's going on in the world, not much. Same stuff, different day. Pokemon Go seems to be slowing down a little bit. Suicide Squad is coming out this Friday out here in the United States. I'm sure in the UK people have already watched it have already given their opinions of it. Uh, the... Killing Joke came out. It was on... Actually, it's been going on for the last week. I haven't seen it yet myself. I did have plans to go see it. But every review that I have heard, every uh, critic, anyone that is even a comic fan or a movie fan or what have you, is advising me not to see this film. I... You know, I it's it's shocking because of all the people that are involved in the show that are involved in the production of the show, I don't think they would put 
forth a bad quality product, and from what I'm being told, the movie is just absolutely horrible. It's the pacing is off, the the timing is off. I hear the acting is the only good thing when it comes to it, but there are a lot of scenes or in a lot of things that a lot of diehard Batman fans, a diehard Joker fans, are rather agitated about. So I haven't had the chance to see it yet. And every reviewer that I've heard said that this movie, as a comic movie, was horrible. As a movie movie, it was horrible. As a whole, the whole process, it was horrible. If you guys have seen it, let me know. Put it in the comments section on the Facebook page. I would be happy to know your thoughts on The Killing Joke. This is something that they've been hyping for a long, long time. And it's the same hype that they put around Batman vs. Superman and... Those of you that know, I'm not a big DC mark, never really have been, but I love going to comic movies that are faithful to the source. They don't have to be word for word faithful to the source. I do believe there is some room for interpretation. I do believe there is room for producer liberties. There are certain things in the MCU universe that they've changed around, and some of them are for the better, some of them not that great. Um, you know, I think it's all a matter of taste. It's all a matter of bringing things up to speed in the modern world. My big feeling on this whole killing joke thing is, I know what it's about. Those of you that don't know what it's about, Barbara Gordon gets shot and becomes Oracle. Uh, It's a pivotal moment in the entire story arc of Batman, and I forget which era it was. I don't want to say New 52, because that's wrong. It's, I think, whatever's before. Either way... It is a pivotal moment in comic history, and I've been told that they've absolutely ruined it and destroyed it. And those of you that saw Batman vs. Superman, yes. Um, It was definitely a movie that you walked out of kind of confused and kind of went, we waited all our lives for this, and that's what they gave us. I don't want to say it's DC just dropping the ball. I don't want to say it's DC just not knowing what to do. It, It just might be the people that are behind it, the people that are backing it, they're not comic fans, they're just movie producers, they take the icons, they take whatever lore they can and just make a movie out of it, that's been the opinion that I've had for the last few years when it comes to the DC world, I still have very mixed feelings on the whole Dark Knight franchise, because, and we'll get to that, we'll get to this particular thing in a second, but the whole Dark Knight franchise is you either love it or you hate it. I'm kind of in the middle where I like some of the concepts, but everything is just so dark and dreary. You don't have fun when you're watching the the franchise, and I still can't take Christian Bale's voice as Batman. I, I cannot do it. It's actually annoying, um, and I have to shut myself off, and I don't know how I survived the last one. Suicide Squad is coming out, and there are so many liberties being taken with this film. So many routes that we're going. People are saying, Jared Leto and Joker, here's my thing. I don't see him as Joker. I think he's just a guy playing the Joker. Putting his own spin on the Joker. Harley Quinn, same thing. I think it's someone just dressing up and putting their own spin on Harley Quinn, on Deathstroke, on Katana, on Diablo, on Killer Cro- I That's how I feel. It's just a bunch of people putting their own spin on the comic characters, and I'm absolutely terrified to see how bad this film is going to be, or maybe it'll be fun. 
Maybe it'll be fun. A lot of people said, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy was its own little spin of the characters, but Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't bad. You kind of walked out going, they took liberties? But I like the liberties they took. They made a couple of things make more sense, whereas I don't necessarily see what they're going to do with Suicide Squad here. Uh, Spoiler alert, Harley Quinn and the Joker are an item. And if you didn't know that, you can't say you're a Harley Quinn fan because you're not, because you should know that. But going forward, I'm sure Friday or Saturday night or morning, whenever I catch the flick, I'm either going to be angry or I'm going to just hold my head and go, well, at least I have Marvel to fall back on. That's going to do it all for all the jibber-jabber. we got a lot of stuff to cover tonight, so why don't we get into the news of the week? ProWrestlingSheet.com is reporting that last year's Seven of Stars, EZ Lupe, has been released from his WWE contract. No reason has been given at this time. ZZ was the second place male competitor behind Josh Brendel. So ZZ is gone. I had been hearing that he was actually making progress in the Performance Center down there and they were doing okay. Apparently it's just not working out. Either he doesn't have the heart or he doesn't have the tenacity or whatever it is that they are looking for. I guess they're not they released him. They got rid of him. They there, there will be no ZZ in WWE, and I, I hate to say that I'm sad to say the least, but I'm not really sad to say the least. The other report that came out along with this is that WWE is no longer hiring anyone under the age of 21. So if you are an aspiring wrestler and you're 18 years old, legal of age, you still got three more years to go before WWE will even consider you. Well, that's a bitch. Simon Gotch reportedly lost the backstage fight to Sin Cara last week's WWE SmackDown, and there is said to be a one-sided destruction by Cara. Gotch did not work that weekend's live events, but is back on the road and appeared on Smack on this week's SmackDown. In an update from Dave Meltzer of Figure4WeeklyOnline.com, there is report that Cara flipped out and threw an unopened soda at Gotch's face, causing Gotch to go down hard. But yet another report said that punch was sent Gotch down. Some people in WWE are saying that Gotch has heat with wrestlers, and a few people are saying that it's a lot of heat. Apparently, Gotch and Kara have had issues in the past, perhaps from Kara's time in WWE NXT. Some people have also commented to Meltzer on Gotch's mouth, sometimes gets mad at him. So basically, Gotch may have said something verbally, and then Kara struck back. I don't 100% know. All I know is that Sin Kara kicked your ass, buddy, and the VOD villains... I would last week. I would have said they're in trouble. Their uh, their tag team is a little in trouble, but I think it's going to be okay. You know, considering. So Gotcha's back on the road, and as long as they keep him away from Sin Cara, I think everything should be fine. Last week we had mentioned that Jeff Hardy had lost his rocker and was beating up chairs and stairs and boards and all sorts of shit. Well. Here is the report from Jeff Hardy himself. He caused a scene at the July 22nd Bloody Mania 10 event after a three-minute match against Congo Kong and Willie Mack. Hardy has since commented on the incident. I finished the match with a frustrated breakdown where I'm trying to break a ladder, break tables. How many hadn't seen that? So naturally, people are wondering, what the hell is wrong with Jeff Hardy? Oh my God, he's off the wagon. All this and that. It was nothing like that. 
according to Hardy, the breakdown was simply a preview for what his next character on TNA is going to be. So like I said, ladies and gentlemen, Hardy has not fallen off the wagon. Hardy has not done anything of that sort. It's Jeff Hardy doing something on another show, causing internet stir, causing internet buzz to watch TNA to garner whatever ratings that they can left for a character that they're going to do on TNA. Brilliant? To a degree? Yes. If it actually brought... If it actually brings a little bit of fame to TNA, I guess whatever's left in the longevity line will work. But I have a feeling that even this little act is just not going to be enough to pull TNA out of the water. It's... You know, everyone said that this was the end of Hardy's career, and he's drunk again. No, he's not drunk. He's just acting kayfabe, you know, something that's lost. I called it. According to reports, Alberto De Rio apparently has a clause in his contract that he signed with WWE back in September that allows him that he's out if he's not happy in the company. While Del Rio is making big money with the promotion, they aren't exactly doing anything with him. Del Rio can make big money working in Mexico and Lucha Underground to do so by working less dates. TNA has also shown interest in him. However, he put down TNA while doing PR work while he was in India. As noted, Del Rio is not happy with his relationship situation with Paige as the two have been split up as a result of the WWE draft. Let me just say this, Del Rio. Stephanie McMahon worked on SmackDown, Triple H was working on Raw, they got married, had three kids, and are now rolling the company. I don't think, uh, I don't think you have to worry too much. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Now, as far as Alberto Rio, yeah, he hasn't really done much in WWE since his return. He beat John Cena, he stole the title, and put out a commission for a little while, but that's it. That's all Alberto De Rio has really done. Not a whole hell of a lot. So, curious to see what they are going to do with De Rio. It's interesting that he had that kind of clause in his contract. It's almost as if he knew the writing was on the wall and he was here for a payday, or at least found a way to make a little bit of money before he was going to be let go. So, if De Rio's going to go, I have a feeling he'll be back in... Probably back in T, not TNA, back in Lucha Underground of some sort. I don't know how they're going to write him back in because he's been gone all year. But you know, let's let's see what happens with Abeta Dario. And as far as Paige is concerned, haven't really seen her that much either since this whole Del Rio thing happened. So again, let's let's see what happens. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled and see exactly what happens with Paige or Del Rio. Has seen. On Monday Night's Raw, spoiler alert if you haven't caught it already, Sasha Banks defeated Charlotte to become the new WWE Women's Champion. There was online speculation that the reason that Charlotte dropped the title is because she asked for time off from the company. However, that did not appear to be the case, as Charlotte will remain working upcoming WWE dates. The reason the company wanted her to drop the title earlier than SummerSlam was to create buzz for the first post-WWE draft episode of Raw. Charlotte was the women's champion for 113 days. So, it wasn't because Charlotte was taking time off, because it didn't make sense that she was going to take time off, especially because she's only been on the main roster for almost two years. So, 
yeah, the time off thing didn't make any sense. They wanted to create more buzz. It definitely created the buzz that I think it needed to create. I was a little surprised at the ending of it all. We will get to that when we get to Monday Night Raw. WWE representatives told TMZ that all part-time superstars are exempt from the wellness policy testing. Some of those names include The Rock, The Undertaker, Triple H, and Brock Lesnar. This apparently didn't go over too well with several WWE superstars who are upset about Brock Lesnar continuing to be exempt from the policy when he's failed two tests with the USADA. The problem with that is that many feel that it's making the company look incredibly bad, especially after all of this happened with Roman Reigns recently. There's also concern about the double standard of Billy Gunn not being able to be full-time, he's not a full-time WWE performer, yet being fired for failing a drug test outside of the company. Very good point there, very good point. That is going to be our last bit of news here for the end of the week. So, my thoughts here on this whole Brock Lesnar thing. I think they pulled this out of their ass. I think WWE pulled this directly out of their ass at the last possible minute, saying Brock Lesnar is exempt, but you also have Taker, who's never checked. You have Triple H, who's never checked. You have The Rock, who's never checked. You know, because they're legends, and they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. They pulled this out of their ass. And if I was a WWE employee, I would raise absolute holy hell, absolute holy hell over this whole entire thing. Brock Lesnar is no different, no better, no worse than anybody else on that fucking roster. Just because WWE spent $6 million, $6 million to keep him around and have him perform on pay-per-view and WWE events or the few that there are, absolutely not. This makes me hate WWE even more if this is true. And this makes me hate Brock Lesnar even more so. So when Brock Lesnar does return, I won't give two shits or a fuck. Because again, and I know you people are saying this, and I know you people are holding your head and shaking your head at me. Here's the thing. Again, if the company tells you you're not allowed to do something and you do it, you get punished. If the higher up the ladder you go... That means the standard is raised. That means you are the prime example. I've never once heard of John Cena getting pinched for a wellness policy, and there's a reason why he's always on top. Everyone is ready to conv- ready to forgive Brock Lesnar, but they won't forgive Roman Reigns. And I find that as an absolute double standard. And those of you that are cheering Brock and booing Roman, and you're using drugs as the example, you should be ashamed of yourselves. This is absolutely ridiculous. Personally, I... St- couldn't stand Brock Lesnar when he debuted. I couldn't stand Brock Lesnar when he left. I couldn't stand Brock Lesnar in the UFC. I can't stand Brock Lesnar now. I don't care. I never cared for him. I never liked him. Yes, he's a wrecking machine. Yes, he's a powerhouse. From what I've heard, he had absolutely no interest in wrestling. He's all about the money. He's all about making whatever, as much as he can. You know what? Fuck him. I don't care for Brock Lesnar anymore. Never really did care for him much anymore, but I hope that when Randy Orton wrestles him, he actually hooks his leg or blows his knee out or something happens, because if this report is true, fuck WWE and fuck Brock Lesnar and fuck the whole lot, because that's absolute bullshit. That's going to do it for the news of the week. Why don't we get into the pay-per-view that was Battleground.
WWE Battlegrounds took place at the Was- in Washington, D.C. at the Verizon Center, and that took place last Sunday. And how was it as a pay-per-view? Not too bad. Honestly, I walked out of it going, you know, that was actually pretty good. And it felt like it was longer than it was supposed to be. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the way my feed was. But this pay-per-view, I think, went about 10 minutes or so over the runtime. I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to have to double-check on it. But again, the show itself, not too bad. There were some people saying this is the best show that they've put on since WrestleMania. And there are others like myself who know better that just kind of go, no, it was a decent show. You know, it, it wasn't as great as WrestleMania, but, you know, it it was what it was. There were not a lot of spoilers, to say the least, for this show. I think any fan with have a brain cell is able to figure some of the stuff out. Why don't we get into the actual show? The pre-show was Brizango defeating the Usos in an okay match. There were super kicks left and right, and uh, the move has kind of been dumbed down a little bit, but we'll go on forward from that. I think the show we got after the pay-per-view was slightly better, and we'll get to that in a second. That was a, ne- it was a decent opener. Why don't we go forward? The opening contest was Charlotte and Dana Brooke. In a tag match against Sasha Banks and her tag partner, Bailey. Now, if you didn't know who it was, Sasha gave it away because she was grinning from ear to ear. Sasha, please learn to control your smiling. You completely gave away the surprise. And I think the sad part is, is the fact that everybody in the arena knew who it was. And they knew who it was simply behind. All they had to do was look at the stage and see the tube men kind of waiting to be blown up. Decent match. Uh, I don't think Bailey was on her game tonight or on, on the pay-per-view. A couple of botches, a couple of uh, mistimings, but Sasha Banks beats Charlotte with a with the bank statement, tapping her out. Very quick match. It was only about eight minutes. I blinked a little bit and went, well, that's it? The match is over? kind of figured it would have went a little longer than that, but no, it it didn't. But again, decent opener. The Wyatt family rose up against the New Day. Uh, Somehow, Big E is not dead. And the Wyatt family gets the win. Now, I have... One tiny problem with the match, and I didn't necessarily think about it until after the show. The whole feud behind this whole thing was that Bray Wyatt is a monster, and he's got the whole world in his hands, and Xavier Woods is being mind-controlled, and however you want to look at it. Here's the problem I have with it, though. If the Wyatts win, they do get a momentum and a push, but they're splitting up because half are on SmackDown and Strowman's on Raw. So this was pretty much a no-where-to-go feud. The match itself was good, but it was a feud that they literally... no, they, There was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to go with this feud. Absolutely nowhere to go. So regardless of who won, it really didn't matter. And I'll tell you why. Because the title belts were not on the line. I believe this is, what, the third time that New Day has wrestled on pay-per-view and the belts haven't even been on the line. Hell, they were at WrestleMania and they didn't put the belts on the line and they still lost. So 
Apparently, the only out for the New Day to lose is if the belts aren't on the line. Another reason why I still can't stand the fucking New Day, because they have been now told that they are the longest reigning tag team champions, and they never defend the fucking things. So, fuck New Day. Fuck all of them. The Wyatts get the win. Still a good match, nonetheless. Big E, I'm surprised you're not dead. Rusev with Lana goes up against Zack Ryder. Quick match. Rusev gets the win. Ryder looked strong, but he still lost. It was kind of a match that you really didn't need to have. Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Oh my god, another match contender for match of the year. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, outside of killing each other, did everything that they could in this match to kill each other. And I think they attempted to do it. Zayn, a scary spot. He went for the springboard off of the rope and fell on his arm and fell and hit the apron and Kevin tried to catch him. I'm being told that that spot was planned and I'm being told that that spot was a total botch. I don't know. All I know is that it was sold to perfection. A great story here. Sami Zayn gets the win, but it still doesn't make any sense because both of them are still on Raw. They're going to touch hands once again. They're going to clash once again. It's just going to happen whether they want to admit it or not. It's just going to happen. Sami Zayn gets the win and I think after that everyone said, well good luck for the main event. (laughs) Natalia goes up against Becky Lynch sound wrestling match but the crowd was kind of out of it after Zayn and Owens. I think what they should have did was have Orton and Chris Jericho segment after that as a cool down, but, you know, what the hell do I know about booking? Natalia gets the win via submission. Becky taps out. That's sad. The Miz goes up against Darren Young, and this was the one match that I just really didn't care about. Has nothing to do with the fact that I hate the Miz, because I'm supposed to. He's, he does his job really well, so kudos, Miz. I think the problem with it is I don't care for Darren Young. I don't. I don't see how this is helping him get over because he's with Bob Backlund and he doesn't. He didn't wrestle like Bob Backlund. He didn't act like Bob Backlund. He didn't do anything at all like Bob Backlund except learn how to do the cross face chicken wing. And seriously, it's you know, it is what it is. We go to the floor, and The Miz tries to leave, and Bob Backlund stops him, and he gets thrown into the ring, and then Maurice slaps Bob, and then Bob takes off his shirt, and then Maurice falls, and then The Miz goes after Bob, and then Young goes after Miz, and it just... Yeah... This is what happens when you over-convolute things. I think what should have happened was there should have been a distraction, a quick roll-up, give Miz the win, because, again, it doesn't matter. Miz is on SmackDown, and Darren Young is on Raw. So, again, quick roll-up, one, two, three, that that should have been it. They made Miz look like... The two that look stupid in this whole thing are Miz and Young. They looked dumb because the execution of the finish was just so convoluted and so... Like, you had to think about what the ending was, and when you figured out what the ending was, it wasn't the ending that you were thinking, and it just, it was, was just bad. This was just bad, and... 
Forgettable. John Cena, Enzo Amore, and Big Kaz go up against the club. Prior to this, Enzo Amore dropped bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. John Cena had really nothing to say on this whole thing. Enzo was just a million bucks on this one. Even Big Kaz had to give it up for him. Decent match, a decent uh, tag match here. Uh, Star-making power here. John Cena did enough. But people were actually cheering him. This was weird. They were cheering Cena, Enzo, and Kaz. They were booing the club, so they got the right reaction for once. John Cena, of course, gets the win with a super uh, AA. One, two, three. There'll be a rubber match at SummerSlam, no doubt about it. I said that the heels needed a win to get the momentum. But it's the kind of win where... It's not Cena wins lol, it's there was so much that happened, there was so much action that happened, there was so much stuff that happened, I don't think anyone got hurt in the process, so for that, kudos to uh, to these guys, good match, really good match. In the main event, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. This was a decent match. This was a pretty decent match, I have to say. Ambrose gets the win. I'm okay with this. I am totally okay with this until we get to Raw. And looks real strong. He's beaten Roman Reigns. He's beaten Seth Rollins. He is the man. They legitimized Dean Ambrose, finally, because he kind of needed it. And they kind of built him up to be a badass on SmackDown, and we'll get to that in a little bit. A decent showing from all three of them. The Rollins and Ambrose teaming up to take out Roman, and then Roman coming back, and then chair, a couple of chair shots, and back and forth. And, you know, this was a decent triple threat, but the match of the night was, again, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. All around, a solid pay-per-view. I will give it three and a half out of five stars. The couple of matches, again, you could have taken away The Miz and Young, and you could have taken away Rusev and Ryder, and you probably still would have been okay, would have given a little bit more time to the tag, there were three tag matches in this show, go figure, maybe given a little bit more time to the tag matches and create more of a dynamic, because they felt rushed, and I don't know, it just, it it seemed weird, I see what they were doing, but for me, it was um, three quarters of a good meal, if anything, I left the vegetables and... You know, that's that's how I'm going to compare it to. But that was Battleground. Again, a decent, solid show. Why don't we get into the new era? That is Monday Night Raw. Someone that at Raw kicks things off with different camera angles, a different feel, a totally different theme song. I could have sworn I heard that song before. Oh well. I really liked Raw, to say the least. Really liked the... I'm going to gush here in a little bit. It opens up with Mick Foley and Stephanie McMahon in the ring, announcing this is a new era, this is a new, you know, new Monday Night Raw, and... Raw has always had a world champion, except for the fact that when Brock Lesnar had it, he was never around. And, of course, when we did the draft in the first fucking place, Brock Lesnar 
was drafted to SmackDown, and I believe at the time he was the world champion. So if that's the case, um, that was a lie. But they said, you know what? We need a new champion. We need a world champion on Raw. And that is going to change here tonight. We're going to bash Roman Reigns here a little bit. They're going to have a WWE Universal Champion. No. Absolutely not. No. I don't personally feel that Raw and SmackDown need a world fucking champion. I think what they need is to have one fucking world champion that goes back and forth. And I don't want to hear that the travel is going to be too fucking much. That's just bullshit. I don't want to fucking hear it. I don't want to hear that a world champion of any caliber can't travel within both brands. You, that's how you build both brands. You have your United States champion on one, you have your Intercontinental champion on the other. Those are your big singles champions. Those are the champions that everyone is striving for. And then you get to the world championship spot. It opens up stories for both brands. Why? Why fucking why do they have to do this? Why do we have to go all the way back to how it was when we had two world champions? It didn't build anybody up. It didn't build anything up. It made all the titles seem less fucking inferior. And then furthermore, I hear that they're bringing the Divas title back. If that's the case, what the fuck is the point of having a fucking championship? The other story I heard is that everyone's going to get a fucking title and it's all going to be fucking irrelevant. Just getting that out of my system that I don't agree that Raw needs to have a fucking world title. We find out that we're going to have matches here tonight on Monday Night Raw because that's what we're going to do better than SmackDown is actually have wrestle, actually having wrestlers have matches. Two Fatal 4-Way matches tonight. The two winners of the matches are going to face in the main event on Raw. The person who wins that match is going to face Seth Rollins for the newly minted WWE Fuck This title at SummerSlam. The competitors of the Fatal 4-Way are going to be Sami Zayn, Sheamus, Chris Jericho, Cesaro, Roman Reigns, Rusev, Kevin Owens, and Finn Balor. Stephanie tells Charlotte to step forward and also mentions that since she lost to Sasha Banks, she is going to be defending her title against Sasha Banks later on as well on Monday Night Raw. That's how we open it up, so I bite my tongue a little bit, I bite my thumb a little bit, but we're going to have matches here on Monday Night Raw, so hopefully this will be good. The opening match is Rusev versus Kevin Owens versus Balor versus Cesaro. And of course, the winner of this is going to go forward into the main event of Monday Night Raw and wrestle for the number one contendership. And this was a really good opener for Monday Night Raw. I believe this took two or three ad breaks. That is how long this match went. This was quite literally all over the place. Absolutely all over the place. This match could have ended so many times. I believe it was Kevin Owens who at three times had the match won, and it just wasn't happening. The ender was Balor hitting Rusev twice to the buckle, climbing the top rope and hitting the coup de gras. One, two, three. Balor wins, and he's the first participant into the main event of Monday Night Raw. So what you're telling me is that the new era of Monday Night Raw, Finn Balor, is in the main event. I know I was kind of sour on Monday Night Raw, but now I'm not as sour. And yes, I'm marking out. I don't care. Fuck you. Balor gets the win. This was 
absolutely, absolutely an awesome opener, and we still got more, <laughs> more to do. We then had something I hadn't seen in a long time. Enhancement matches. Nia Jax destroying a jobber, Britt Baker. Just absolutely destroyed her. Here was the thing. The way that they did Monday Night Raw, it didn't seem like WWE. They kind of built it like a sport. I mean, they didn't say, Nia Jax is wrestling next. Oh my God! No, it was more, they showed Nia Jax's video and said, up next, and that was it. They didn't hype it. They didn't promote it. They just let the video and the little tag that she was wrestling next do all of the talking. Less is more. Absolutely baffled that they were able to pull that off. Jax just destroys the girl. It doesn't hurt anybody. It showcases Jax without destroying the whole women's division. I think that was a wise thing to do. We then have Chris Jericho, Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, and Sheamus. Another damn good match. Zayn tried so hard. Zayn tried so hard in this match to be number one contender. He did tried so hard. And I believe this match also went to two ad breaks, but despite Zayn literally having the, palm, the fans in the palm of his hand, it was Roman Reigns who scored the win. But here was the weird thing. There were some fans that were cheering Roman. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but they were cheering Roman. Roman gets the win. He goes forward. Interesting. Absolutely interesting. So we're going to have Roman versus Balor in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Please tell me this is happening. We then have the New Day coming down to the ring to celebrate, what, losing last night? Fuck that. The whole New Day segment, whatever, we held the titles for 300 days and all this stuff, but the club come down to the ring and beat the dog shit out of the New Day. Fuck the New Day. Bullet Club beat the crap out of them. Good for them. They deserve it. Absolutely so. Defend your fucking titles once in a while. This is actually really good. It helps give the club a little bit of uh, backing from their loss. The New Day looks like shit. I'm happy for it, so moving forward. Neville versus Curtis Axel, who's now going by the phrase, Mr. Irrelevant. Okay, Neville gets the win, no problem there. This is actually something they do in the NFL, in the NHL, in the MLB, or whatever that stuff. It's the last draft pick. It's something they're going to just carry on. He seems to be having fun with it. That's fine. It was at this point that I started to realize, you know what? Even though Corey Graves is now on the commentary team and Michael Cole is on the commentary team and uh, Byron Saxon is on the commentary team and they moved the table back to the corner at the start of the show and the way they filmed it and the way they directed it, it felt more like an actual sport. Like they were treating this to be 100% legitimate. This was, by all counts a very welcome change. And it was around this point when I started to go, you know, the whole build, the whole feel of Raw is very organic. It's very different. And at this point, I had realized that an hour and a half had passed by. Raw was just flying by. Even with the enhancement matches, Raw was just flying by, and there wasn't one minute where I felt bored. Because the next match is the women's title against Charlotte, and Sasha Banks. Uh, Dana Brooke got herself thrown out of the match when Charlotte pulled in Eddie Guerrero. The match carried on. Sasha nearly died. Flair almost died. These two killed each other. These two wrestled for 
I think, I don't think it was 20 minutes. I don't remember how long it was, but this was absolutely insane. Sasha Banks gets the win with the bank statement. We get an interview post-match. You know, how do you feel? I win the title. Dreams come true. I'm Sasha Banks. The crowd went absolutely ballistic. This was a moment that made me go, oh my god, a women's title match, a world title match being changed on Monday Night Raw on free television. They give us this match on free television. I gotta tell you, fuck SmackDown. Raw is gonna be where it's at. That was the attitude I had going forward. Uh, absolutely jaw-dropping. I thought that Sasha, that Charlotte was going to pull a disqualification and hype this to SummerSlam. No, they did this for free on Raw. They got the buzz that they needed. This was the right direction I think they had to go. You completely made me forget that they're going to have a world fucking title named after the universe, because that's just stupid. Sasha wins. Way to go. Braun Strowman versus James Elworth. Braun Strowman, who comes out with a brand new theme and a brand new attitude. Um... Well, here's the thing. They did an interview with uh, James Ellsworth and said, How do you feel? I'm fucked, but I'm going to fight. I'm fucked, but I'm going to fight. Strowman kills him. What do you want? It was an enhancement match, but I kind of liked it. Again, the presentation alone was just a breath of fresh air. Enzo and Kaz go up against the Shining Stars. This was pretty quick. Uh, to say the least, uh, the Shining Stars got beat. Enzo and Kaz get the win. Backstage, Reigns is on his way to the ring. Balor walks up and wishes him good luck. Reigns says, no, you need good luck. And to which Balor says, I'm Irish. We invented it. To which Roman said, I'm Samoan. Nuff said. So you're going to lose is what you're saying. Or you're going to disappear for seven years. and you're not. So here we go. Main event. This is actually happening. Those of you who do not know. Those of you that do not know. I am a huge Finn Balor mark. I am a huge Prince Devitt mark. Ever since he broke into pro wrestling, I have been following his career. I have been watching him. There's a lot of stuff. He's one of the few guys that I have actually watched and have actually paid close attention to. This is actually happening. Finn Balor main eventing Monday Night Raw. That's like, to me, that's like Superman shaking hands with Captain America. It's just so fucking surreal. I didn't think that it was actually going to happen. And I actually didn't think that the crowd was going to be as into it as they were. These two men, fucking phenomenal. Not match of the year, I'm going to say that right now. Not match of the year. But this kept me on the grips of my seat. The entire time. The fans were into it. The atmosphere was into it. The crowd were into it. They, some were cheering Roman. Some of them were cheering Balor. Some were just quiet and reacting perfectly. Reacting perfectly to every single spot that was done. The crowd was so invested into this. I was so invested into this. This was absolutely insane. Roman had this match won like six times. Balor had this match won about four times. I don't want to say there were a lot of false finishes, but there were a lot of nail biters. The end, the end, the end. Coup de gras. One, two, three. Finn Balor on his fucking birthday. Main events Monday Night Raw and is called one half of the number one contenders. And is going to SummerSlam to face Seth Rollins to be a world champion for a title that I don't agree with. Well, three out of four ain't bad. Oh my God. God, this is actually happening. This is actually happening. Someone that I have watched for the last eight or so years 
watched is now completely dominated NXT, has completely now taken over this new era of Monday Night Raw. Not one person on this roster, not one person who wrestled here on Monday Night Raw looked bad, with the exception of the Shining Stars, looked bad. Even in defeat, even in defeat, Roman Reigns, Charlotte, uh, everyone, everyone who wrestled here tonight looked like a million bucks. The presentation was there. The announcing was actually that they actually called the moves and actually focused, actually focused on the wrestling and stopped calling all the bullshit crap that they normally do. And yes, I know I'm marking out because Balor got the victory. I honestly thought that it was going to be Roman who was going to go ahead and fight Rollins and they were going to blow that off at SummerSlam. I figured that was the route they were going to go, honest to God. Him winning was a welcome fucking surprise. Oh my God, this is actually happening. This has been one of the better Raws I have seen in a long, long time. Not because of the results, but because of the presentation, because of the quality, because of what we were given. We were given more substance, more action, more wrestling, and less jibber-jabber. There were no in-ring promos other than the opener and, of course, the New Day thing. But that was it. Everything just flowed. Everything just went. Raw felt like... Yeah, this was three hours and ten minutes that I just watched. It didn't feel that way. This was an adrenaline rush, adrenaline pump show. Oh my God, Monday Night Raw was absolutely insane. It was absolutely fun. Even Roman Reigns in a losing effort looked good. Even Charlotte in a losing effort looked good. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, Sheamus, everyone looked good in a losing effort. And everybody that won even look good. Even the enhancement matches didn't bother me because it helped showcase the wrestlers that probably need a little bit more polish, which is something they haven't done since the early friggin' 90s. Thank you, God. Thank you for finally making Monday Night Raw something that I look forward to. This was absolutely awesome. I take my hat off partially because of one thing that happened. I take my hat off to Monday Night Raw. This was awesome, and I said, well... I don't know what's going to happen on SmackDown, but I can't wait to see what's going to happen. So why don't we get into live Tuesday night SmackDown. As long as it takes to get what's rightfully mine So we get to Tuesday Night Smackdown And it looks kind of the same as the Raw set So there's really no different identity And it doesn't really look all that much different from Raw. Huh. You know, I figured they were going to do something a little different for SmackDown. I know I saw a fist in there briefly, but I I don't know. I think having the same set kind of doesn't really help much. They got the blue ropes back. 
Yeah, it didn't really feel like SmackDown. It felt like the blue version of Raw. It opens up with Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan in the ring with the entire roster, and you're looking at the entire roster, and you're going, you know, SmackDown kind of got fucked in this whole draft. It kind of... ah, Outside of Jericho, they got a lot of big names. Not sure that's going to help. Uh... We have Dean Ambrose, who doesn't have a contender for SummerSlam, so what they're going to do tonight is Dean Ambrose comes out of the ring, and they said, who do you want to fight? And he says, I'm going to fuck. I'll fight anybody. Let's do this. So we're going to have a six-pack challenge at the end of the night. The participants are John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, Bray Wyatt, Barry Corbin, and AJ Styles. The last participant is going to have to win a battle royal, which actually opens the show. A decent battle royal, to say the least, but then you're watching it going, you know, again, even though Raw did pick certain people, there's not much for SmackDown fans. There, there really isn't. You have AJ, you have Ziggler, you have Cena, you have Kane. I don't want to say that's about it, but I think that's really about it. I mean, everybody else is either... You know, they're all rookies, or they haven't broken out yet, or they haven't really been doing my... I don't know, it's it's weird. SmackDown, the SmackDown roster kind of felt a little lacking. The end of the night, the end, the end of the Battle Royal is Apollo Crews gets the win, defeating, the, tossing out Kane at the very end. Okay, well, that means they're probably going to give it to Apollo Crews, because why not? But at SummerSlam, probably not, but good push for Apollo Crews. The second match is Becky Lynch versus Natalia. A new era. And we're doing a rematch from the pay-per-view. SmackDown is starting to lose my interest here a little bit. Becky Lynch gets the win with the disarmor. Natalia taps out. Good match, but I feel like I've seen this before. But then the rest of the women come out. It's Eva Marie's debut. Fuck her. Carmella comes out. Uh, Naomi comes out. Somebody else comes out, I can't remember who comes out, but yeah, it's all the women saying, yeah, women's power and all that stuff. Dolph Ziggler cuts a promo saying, I'm going to win. We have Alexa Bliss, Naomi, Carmella, and Eva Marie cutting a promo. That's, that was the other one, Alexa Bliss. Okay. I think they have this whole thing out of order, so I'm doing it again by my notes here. But yeah, they all cut a promo saying that they're going to be the next women's champion. I'm not looking forward to Eva Marie. I'm really not. The Miz has Randy Orton. And I've come to the conclusion that Randy Orton just doesn't give a fuck anymore about PG and all that bullshit. Says, are you the pitcher or the catcher? I want to fight you in the match. Don title. Let's do this. Randy Orton gets the win. Kind of made the RKO out of nowhere seem more legit because his shoulder was hurt. RKO! Oh my god! RKO again! One, two, three! We're promoting Randy Orton here. Very good. That was cool. You know, Orton gets the win. Decent match. I got really nothing to take away from it. But nothing that's getting me to jump out of my seat here. He Slater pops into the ring and says he hasn't been drafted. I want to be in. I want to be on SmackDown and to Rhino Spear. Rhino has now joined SmackDown... Again, more veteran star power. How much veteran star power does SmackDown really fucking need? I'm was excited to watching SmackDown. Now my excitement's kind of starting to dwindle. I'm sorry, AJ. 
Uh, we then get a Shelton Benjamin promo. Shelton Benjamin is coming back to WWE. Personally, folks, I don't care. Unless they pair him with American Alpha, I still don't really care. Sorry, Shelton. I just... I want to see new talent versus old talent. And I, I really... The old talent should be there, but I don't think there should be so much old talent that you forget. Yeah, I, I'm not liking where this is going. AJ Styles cuts a promo. Bray Wyatt cuts a promo. Baron Corn cuts a promo. The only one that didn't cut a promo, I believe, was John Cena on the upcoming match. That's coming up here in just a little bit. It's the fourth match for SmackDown. It's... John Cena, Bray Wyatt, AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin, and Apollo Crews in the six-pack challenge. A decent main event, a decent match. I kind of felt there could have been a little bit more to the match. Um, a lot of exciting spots towards the end. Dolph Ziggler, of all people, is the, win, the one who gets the win, hitting AJ Styles with a super kick. One, two, three. Dolph Ziggler is your number one contender for the world championship. This is actually happening. This is actually happening. That's the one thing that you could really take from SmackDown is, despite the women all kind of sort of debuting on SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler got made on SmackDown. He is the big player over AJ Styles, over John Cena, over Bray Wyatt, who hasn't really done much of anything. So good on Dolph Ziggler. Again, I'm, I'm sure this I should probably do the voices of one that Alex does, but I just don't have the talent for that. SmackDown, I'm looking at it, I'm going, well, it had its moments. When I watched Raw and I said, yeah, Raw, the whole thing was a moment. So I think this week Raw did better. Uh, hopefully SmackDown gets better, or else I'm going to be more loyal to the red brand. I don't want to admit that, but... You know, again, I love AJ Styles, I love Dolph Ziggler, but those two guys aren't really going to hold my interest forever on SmackDown. And that's going to do it all for this week's episode of Beyond the Matters. Short and sweet, but it had to be what it had to be. We had a lot to cover, and I think, again, this week, uh, wrestling, it had its high points. Battleground started it, Raw capped it off, SmackDown kind of slowed it down a little bit. I haven't had a chance to catch part two of the CWC or part three of the CWC, which is the Cruiserweight Challenge. Haven't had the opportunity to catch that yet. I will be catching that eventually. There's only so many hours in the week and so many hours in the day, and as work gets closer and closer for me, it's going to be even harder to catch all this wrestling content. But don't forget, you can like, subscribe, and share everything at the Facebook page at Scyther Podcast. Don't forget to leave your comments on what you thought was the better show, Raw, or SmackDown, your thoughts on Battleground as I gave literally a play-by-play for the pay-per-view. Backlash will be the next pay-per-view for the SmackDown brand. That takes place September 11th. What matches do they have? Well, they didn't really focus much on that because they were more focused on SummerSlam, so they've already kind of buried their... uh, They've already kind of buried the show right there, but I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm going to get on out of here. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you next time.